0: Hey everyone This is the Love of Cinema podcast We like to talk movies If you like to talk movies too You come to the right place
1: My influences have always been Very South Korean Like um, my influences for Fifty Two were Memories of Murder, uh, were bits of uh, Lady Vengeance. There's one Russian film that I saw. So there's some some uh, visual riffs that I got very inspired from, especially the color palette of that film.
0: Hey everyone, this is Himanshu, and you're listening to the Love of Cinema Podcast. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe and healthy. Today, among other things, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite genre films of last few years, a terrific moody neo-noir set in my hometown, Pune. But before that, if you're a first-time listener, do check out prior episodes of the podcast. You can find all episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or any of the other podcast apps. If you enjoy long-form, organic conversations centered around Indian cinema and streaming shows, Love of Cinema Podcast was created for people just like you. So do consider subscribing. Also, please do rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, as that will help others with similar taste discover this podcast. And don't forget to share with your friends if you like this episode. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about genre filmmaking, Marathi cinema, and Shah Rukh Khan. Genre filmmaking is one of the toughest jobs in the business. Getting a genre film made in India is even tougher because the audience for genre films still remains relatively niche. My guest today has made not one, but two genre films. Writer-director Nikhil Mazen, has taken a stab at noir as well as the superhero genre. In 2013, Nikhil made the newer noir, Pune 52, and then in 2015, he followed that with Baji, a superhero film. I'm a fan of Pune 52 and strongly feel it needs to be discovered by many more. It's too good of a film to be under discovered. Pune 52 is essentially a period noir set in early 90s which doubles as commentary on economic upward mobility following the economic liberalization of 1991. It's moody, it's subtle, and anchored by a standout performance from the always brilliant Girish Kulkarni. Pune 52 also has terrific performances from saitamankar Amankar, Sonali Kulkarni, and a lovely cameo from another great actor. Nikhil and I chatted about setting the movie in Pune the lead character, Private Aya and hard-boiled detective fiction and film noir influences. Nikhil also spoke on why he believes Grish Kulkarni, along with Vijay Setupati, is the finest actor we have today. We also chatted about genre filmmaking in India, Marathi cinema, where it stands today, and some of the issues surrounding Marathi cinema, like footfalls at the cinemas. Finally, I just couldn't give up on a chance for talking Shahrukh Khan with a fellow fan. We talked about Zero, the kind of movies we would love to see Sharok do. And I got to share my pitch for an action movie designed for Sharuk. And would you believe it? He thought it was good. No, really, he did. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with just being nice on his part. Positive, 100%. Anyways, I'll let you decide if the pitch was any good. Here's my chat with Nikhil Mazan. Hey Nikhil, how are you?
1: I'm very good, Imanshu. How
0: are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, I'm really glad uh, we are doing this chat today. So first of all, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. And we have a lot of things to talk about, so let's get right to it. Um, Let's start with your first film, uh, Pune 52. I really like Pune 52. Uh, I'm a sucker for noir. I, too, am from Pune. Uh, I grew up in the neighborhood where a big chunk of this movie was shot. Uh, so you can imagine my excitement when I came to know uh, that there's an edgy Marathi thriller straddling the genres of uh, noir and drama shot in my neck of the woods. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, the film's set in early 90s Pune. It's uh, the dawn of the rise of the Indian middle class following uh, economic liberalization. Yeah. Many were able to ride the economic tide and make a better life for themselves, while some were still left behind. And uh, we find out that Private Eye, Amarapte is one of those left behind. He's one of those who missed the bus of upward uh, economic mobility, so to speak. Now, my question to you is when you set out to write the story, did you decide to set it in early 90s because you wanted it to serve as commentary on economic mobility? Or was that piece uh, just an afterthought as part of the zeitgeist of the period that the film
1: set in? No, it was always meant to be set in that particular uh, year and at that particular time, um, because I grew up. Um, my formative years were the nineties, where I, uh, where I actually started understanding what is happening around me, and I could. I am one of the. Uh, I am. I am that generation who was young when the change was happening. So we were not in the throes of it, so to say, but I could see how how it affected my parents and how it affected the world around me. Um, I am not from Pune. I am from a smaller town uh, called Aurangabad, which is not so far from Pune. So um, I have seen firsthand the impact the liberalization had on the middle class, how the economic reforms of 92 changed the course of the history of the Indian middle class uh, entirely. Um, So I could see it. And when I saw it, I was very young. Uh, So I wasn't really aware of of the of the intricacy of that time uh, it was only once i went to film school and i you know started um studying more about uh society and societal changes in india is when i could understand that there was a very categoric shift post 92 um in how indians lived and um led their lives and that is uh that was one of the starting points for me to start the uh start writing my first feature per se. Um, it was um, in my original draft it was very subtle it was not this in your face Uh, it was a a more direct uh, noir thriller because it's one of my favorite genres so and it was never done in Marathi before so I wanted to be the first person to kind of do uh, do a detective film in Marathi Uh, so uh, it was after we did a couple of drafts and it was after Girish Kulkarni came on board and um, my discussions with him um, led to some su- subsequent changes in how um, how more elaborate uh, we went about the liberalization. Um, even though all of it was, was in the screenplay already, a lot of it we added in the dialogue uh, draft, the dialogues that Girish wrote for us. Right, right. Yeah,
0: I asked that because, uh, you know, uh, besides being on noir, this is definitely commentary on that uh, particular um, era, so to speak, yeah. and um, the economic mobility. So I always found that interesting because it was uh, like a merging of two different separate genres of uh, noir and drama tackling that. Yeah. So I always wanted to ask for that. Um, now let's talk Amar Abdi. Uh He's someone um, riddled with anxieties. Is Quietly contemplative, morally upright, and not exactly glamorous. I found that very interesting because it uh, makes for a fabulous mix of traits of uh, classic hard boiled detectives, Uh, you know, like Chandler's uh, Marlowe and Hammett's uh, Sam Spade, but especially um, Hammett's um, Continental Op, uh, which I uh, like a lot. Yes. Uh, was that an intentional uh, tip of the hat uh, from you, or do you think it happened subconsciously as a fan of classic
1: uh, hard-boiled detective? No, no, it was very much intentional. It was more intention. It was more of a hat tip to uh, Chandler, in fact, than Hammett. Uh, I-, I was very inspired. Oh yes, in the movie there is there is a reference. Is a reference yeah. Yes, yes. we we've, we've kept it that okay, this is where it is. Uh, in- no, not inspired from, but this, we we did tip our hat and we did uh, acknowledge the existence of. It also if you watch the film carefully the, the scene in which he he uh, when when the uh, Chandler book appears is um, is at a very critical juncture in the moral um, collapse of Amarapte in, in, in many ways um, so it was very much intentional um, it is the references to whether it's Chinatown whether it is references to um, uh, you know um, Chandler and multiple other um, hard-boiled um, pulp noir kind of books uh, that I have read and I love um, have been peppered throughout the film and uh, it was, all of it is very intentional um, as far as him not being um, as far as him being a very ordinary person like the description that you gave of Amarapte is very accurate so that was also a very intentional choice at our uh, back at the back of our minds because we wanted Amarapte to kind of resemble rather stand so in my head it was always that Amarapte is a metaphor for the Indian middle class um, it was hmm. it was not good looking it was morally upright it was um, and then in came this wave of liberalization in which in the film is um, brought in by Saita Amankar's character um, uh, Neha, so it's mm, so she comes into his life, um, and literally that's where his decline, uh, so to say, begins morally, and at the same time his rise become begins in terms of uh, his uh, finances and how he's looking and what he's wearing and um, the color palette of the film changes, and it just entirely. Um, um, so, he is the metaphor for what happened to the Indian middle class um, post 92. So, it's it's debatable whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It depends on how what what side of the uh, political spectrum you sit on. You will see it either as a good thing or a bad thing.
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, of course, like always, Girish Kulkarni is nothing short of excellent as Amarapteh. Uh, he also wrote the dialogue, right? Yes,
1: he wrote the Marathi dialogue. Oh, okay.
0: Well, now, uh, is that something you, you guys had always planned?
1: Yes, because it was... Um, I'm not very um, fluent in 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 the Pune Marathi, so to say. Like the clean Marathi, okay. I'm not really... Also, because it's set in 92, it had to be much cleaner in, in the way these people spoke. So I was not the right person to um, write the dialogue. Plus Girish is an excellent dialogue writer, so it would have been silly of me to not uh, utilize that uh, strength of his. Uh, so I had written the first pass of dialogue in English, and then Girish came on, and um, like around thirty to forty percent of it is translated from my English script, and then the rest of it is originally what he has added to the script. But we had the structure of a scene panned out in the screenplay, and so there was always a direction to how the dialogue is going to flow, and he pretty much just stuck to that, and he um, added his own flavor and. Um, I think gave it took it to another level with his dialogue.
0: And uh, Nikhil, what, in your opinion, um, what's it about Girish that makes him such a fine actor? I mean, I think he's one of the finest actors we have today.
1: No, I think he is the finest actor we have today. Um, in my opinion, it is Girish Pulkarney and Vijay Sipupati. um and and then there is everybody else. It's uh, um, I think he's amazing. Um, and what makes him that is the fact that I think he's extremely well-read. Um, he is extremely aware of what is happening around him. He's highly intelligent as a man. Um, and he has he has led a life full of experiences. And I think that, that is imperative uh, uh, in, in any artistic journey, is for you to have a lot of experience of different sorts uh, in your life. And I think Girish has led a very full life. Um, He's seen a lot of ups and downs, and um, he's always come out trumps. Um, So I think all of this combined, and he's, um, like, he has, I think, probably he's, I can't even, like, he's read everything. He reads English, Marathi, Hindi, he reads translations of other language books, he reads a lot of plays, he uh, reads a lot of poetry, he's extremely um, socially aware. He's aware of what's happening in the world. So I think it's all of that um, brought together along with a lot of hard work and talent Is I think that is what makes him the great actor that he actually is. I think he's amazing. He's amazing. I think, And I think after all the great work that we've seen, I still feel that this is just the tip of the iceberg that his talent is. It's, I still don't think it's completely utilized.
0: Right, right. And he also comes from a theater background, right?
1: uh yes girish has done some theater but he's not a he's not um fully a theater background person he was he was i think he worked in radio before this and uh, he he used to be a um, producer at a radio channel and then i think from there he did some theater but he's not a theater theater person person
0: and uh, Sari Tamankar is also so good as the fame fatal from uh Prabhat if I may say that. (laughs) And uh, understated performance lending such a nice twist to the textbook kind of uh, femme fatale portrayal. What was your brief to her uh, for this particular role?
1: No, so this this is, uh, see, this is back in 2011 when we shot the film. Uh, This is before Saitamankar became Saitamankar. She was still starting out. She was was not the the huge star that she is today. um, she was extremely She uh, uh, she's very open, she's very brave, um, in fact uh, there's a funny story that we, I first uh, pitched it to Sai who liked it and she couldn't do it because there was some great conflict happening so we had to let go of Sai. And then I went and pitched it to around 10 to 12 other actresses in Marathi and everybody kind of turned down that road uh, because it had some um, intimate scenes. And then by that time, Sai was done with her shoot, whatever shoot that she was doing, and we went back, circled back to Sai, and she was still game day to to do it. And um, what I told her, what we had a lot of conversations uh, with each other, and um, predominantly, I think not just Sai, with every time I'm working with actors, I try to kind of uh, push them out of their comfort zones as artists. And I feel it is in, it is very important that you that they trust you and that there is an element of um i won't say blind trust but a extraordinary amount of trust that an actor must put in a director um so that I was very fortunate because I was a first time director I never assisted anybody so I was literally i was just out of nowhere like, it was suddenly like this kid has come and he's sporadically making a film there's no assisting anybody There's nobody knew me at all so. It was very kind of all of them to kind of trust me um, so much with with what uh, with how I was seeing the characters and so it um, my brief to them always was to kind of not um, not do the first thing that is coming to their mind um, instinctively. Uh, we made a very conscious choice that they were all letting go of their primary instinct to a scene and then finding something else. I think that kind of really helped, especially with Sae, I think that helped a lot. Because it was a bit of an unlearning for her. So I think that really helped.
0: I see. And uh so would you say as a director you're generally a person who likes to do a lot of takes?
1: Um honestly I don't do a lot of takes. Uh, I I won't do more than like four or five takes. It's um, that too, a lot of those takes are happening for other reasons apart from performance. For performance, I think around 2-3 to three takes, I have very rarely have gone more than like I think in Betal that I did recently there was one incident where I went around 16 takes but that is the longest I went for performance. Otherwise I think most actors um, get there in around the second or the third take. It doesn't take more than that. Uh, because I also tend to cast very well. So Mm, that is a half Half the job is done there because when you cast them properly, it is um, then the actors and all actors are inherently intelligent and they, they know what to do. So it doesn't take, I don't take a lot of takes. I don't believe in that uh, system.
0: And all three leads are just excellent. I think even Swanari Kulkarni is fabulous. Uh, but the performance that I really liked, uh, you know, after Drish Kulkarni's was uh, Swan and Kirkir. <laughs> What made you cast him in that lovely cameo? Uh,
1: Back then, Swanand was not really open to acting. Now he's become a full-time actor. He's an excellent actor now. He's doing a lot of of plays and he's amazing. Um, But back then, he was uh, still very active as a lyricist. And he had started exploring acting. He just wanted to kind of start acting. And he had mentioned that to Girish. I didn't really know Swanand. But Girish said to me that, you know, Swanand wants to act. And um, both of us just thought that, okay, he should be this guy. And and we pitched it to him. He liked it. It was just one day shoot. So he came in the morning. We did one scene. We did one scene at night. And that was it for him. So, and and because he was so new and because he was uh, so excited and so happy to, to try something new, I think it is just his... Uh, um, openness that brought the brought so much life to the character is honestly in that I didn't really do much. It is just completely Swannan uh, Swannan's interpretation of of what the character is and and a lot of back and forth between him and Girish, The way that scene is written, I think it is just simply um, a result of that. That the two really bonded well with each other and just showed on screen.
0: The character is great too, and he just uh, again lends it such a nice. Um noorish uh tint to it that uh, you know it's just perfect.
1: Yes, yes, he's amazing. <laughs>
0: Hey, Nikhil, would love to hear from you and the influences on this film. Uh, many point out to Polenski's Chinatown or uh, Manorama's Six Feet Under, uh, which is essentially a riff on Chinatown. But, uh, you know, the mood and the atmosphere reminded me a lot of two different movies, which are very really different movies. But um, the mood somehow reminded me of uh, Altman's uh, The Long Goodbye and Soderbergh's The Limey and also a couple of miskin's uh, neon noirs Now, um, I would love to hear from you. What were the specific uh, movie influences that you had in mind or that you and your DOP talked about?
1: Mm, honestly, the similarity with Chinatown begin and end with it being a film noir. Um, I don't think it is Chinatown at all. Uh, uh, it's something that I've yes, yes. Yes, that yes. That faced. It's <laughs> yes. a
0: common tendency to equate yeah. everything that's noir
1: with. Yeah, it is It is a question that I've answered like at least a thousand times that was I inspired by Chinatown. Yes, I was inspired by Chinatown purely because it's a mm-hmm. great film noir. Um, like every film noir uh, after Chinatown is inspired by Chinatown because, purely because of how great it is. But in terms of film, I don't think it is at all similar to Chinatown. I think Manorama is absolutely like Chinatown. It is Chinatown uh, rehashed into an Indian setting. But uh, 52, mm, uh, my influences have always been very South Korean. Like, um, my influences for 52 were memories of murder, uh, were bits of uh, Lady Vengeance, uh, were bits of. Uh, um, uh, there's this amazing Russian film called, uh, mm, I forget the name now. Uh, but there's one russian film that i, I saw so there's some some uh, visual riffs that i got very inspired from especially the color palette of that film um, i completely am not able to remember the name right now
0: is this a classic film or no no is this this, was a, a this is a
1: newer film it's around 2009 2010 it's about two two brothers uh, young kids who are uh, i think it's called the return it is the yeah it's called the return it's a russian, oh yes yes yeah it's a russian film uh, um, and I, I think it's a Russian film. I may be wrong. I may be completely wrong. But um, it's called The Return, and it's a great film. Uh, I, I think the color palette references the co- the coldness of Pune 52, especially in the first half of the film, is um, was was something that I got very inspired from this. And the way the camera is moving, the Steadicam, uh, the 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 way we have blocked scenes were were coming a lot from Memories of Murder and Lady Vengeance.
0: Okay, I see. And um, I remember you mentioned once on Twitter you're a big uh, Miskin fan as well, right?
1: Yes, I'm a huge Miskin fan.
0: Yes, yes. It reminded me of a couple of uh, his um, early films. Um, I forget the names, but uh, both of them are like Noirs, uh, you know, kind of thrillers. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept on thinking, my wife and I, that you know, the uh, some of the scenes kind of were reminding us of those two films.
1: No, but actually, I got introduced to Miskin after I made Fifty Two. I was not aware of. Oh, it. okay. But if that is okay, the case, okay. then it's great, I think then so. <laughs> uh, okay,
0: then yeah, you guys would,
1: have similar stuff. Yeah, yeah, then I would be happy happy to know that. But I, I did get <laughs> introduced to Tamil cinema because um, because of my um, roommate in film school, my very good friend, and now like sensationally big director, Sandeep Reddy. Um, so uh, we, so he is the one who... Uh, kind oh, of, nice. He was your roommate. Huh? Yeah, we shared, we shared an apartment for two years in Sydney and uh, he, is, he is senior to me and um, so he was the one who kind of introduced me to regional cinema but uh, i didn't know miskin back then but i did get introduced to a lot of tamil cinema and Telugu cinema because of sandeep and um, i think those references would come in later in my work in Baji and and the stuff that followed but uh, for 52 i think my references were very much uh, bong joon ho and uh, Park chan it was um, and that's why the even the music is done by Jung Jung Shim, who who scored for Old Boy. A, yeah, uh, she yeah, it, uh, she did uh, uh, Old Boy. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, she did Old Boy, and she did uh, Man from <laughs> Nowhere. Yes, yes. So she. Right, so my references right. are always South Korean. They still are South Korean. Uh, I'm. Ve- I I don't really dig European cinema that much. It's. Um, I, I love watching it, but I don't really seek inspiration. I really like um, classic Hollywood um, and then it is South Korean cinema, um, Japanese cinema. I think I'm more drawn towards the Asian um, approach to storytelling than the European approach.
0: Right, right. Let's uh, talk a bit about the locations in the movie. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, big chunks of the film are shot around uh, Prabhat Road, Hotel Shangri La, Vetal Tekri, which falls under zip code Pune uh, 4. Mm. Pune 52 happens to be Sinhagar Road, uh, Karve Nagar area. Yes. Any particular reason why you narrowed down on that particular area for the title? So, Pune
1: 52 is uh, Karve Nagar basically. Um, it is where post liberalization people started moving to uh, people who lived in the older city they started moving right, okay. towards this part of town
0: that was the upcoming suburb right yeah
1: so uh, so uh, it is where the lower rung of the middle class used to live at that point in time now it's a very affluent area uh, but back then it was still off the it was not so well connected to the city and because it, it was lower middle class people from the old town uh, moving from their small houses and building big houses in this area. So it was, it was, uh, uh, it was in a way, the the first kind of real estate wise, it was the first peek into the ambitions of the middle class. Um, that area and those people living there are the um, epitome of uh, Pune lower middle class. Now they don't fall in that category. But back then in 92, that was the scene um makes sense yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and uh hey where are the hotel sapna portion shot at uh hotel uh, ambrosia or was there really a hotel called sapna
1: which one is sorry i forget which one is sapna is it where he meets <laughs> that's where no, no that's where they go out
0: for uh, dinner once um, amar and prachi
1: ah no that was shot at uh, uh, it's that uh, where he feels that somebody is uh, following him that's it right
0: yes yes they uh they order food and then he goes uh, yeah, yeah yeah
1: that was shot in, uh, uh, oh, okay. okay. in manas resort oh okay okay
0: okay thanks thanks um, <laughs> my wife and i were wondering where this was shot because it looks a little bit like the old uh, ambrosia no it was shot in so, manas resort got got it got it All right. Now here, I just want to add a small note for the listeners uh, that we'll be talking about the ending now. So if you haven't seen the film, spoiler alert, um, I'll add the time markers for this portion in the episode notes so that you can skip this portion if you wish to. And please do come back because there's a lot more that we're going to talk about. So this is not the end of the episode. But if you haven't seen the film, I would urge you to just skip this particular portion and then uh, come back after you watch the film. So Nikhil, I love the ending uh, where we see Amar with his wife at uh, her doctor's clinic. He's still shook up from the trashing uh, he has received at the hands of um, Prasad his men. Mm-hmm. We see them leaving the doctor's clinic, and that's that. Yeah. And I read it as it dawning on Amar that he's now essentially Prasad's pawn. Yeah. And Amr has been able to bring his reality closer to his dreams, at least financially. Yeah. But he has had a heavy price to pay for it. The price is that of compromising on the other piece of history, which was always uh, to be a legit, morally upright uh, detective. I thought that was very nicely done, as this again goes back to that commentary on upward mobility, that often you can bring your reality closer to your dreams, uh, but there's always a price to pay, compromises to be made. Uh, Am I reading it accurately, the ending?
1: Um, It's actually... In my head, it was always that this is a walk to nowhere. Um Like, um, no matter what happens to these two after this, you know, it is, they are, le- they are heading nowhere, which is what kind of happened to our society, that we got everything, but there is no real destination to where we are going. And that is kind of, oh, um, that holds true even today because we actually just don't know what's happening and where we are heading. As a society, as people, there is no there is no specific um, point that we are going towards in life. People are just li- living. So whether it's the, the way that scene is short, the length of that corridor, there's nobody else, just them walking, walking, walking. Um, you also don't know if she's going to give him another chance. You don't know if he's going to go back and get beaten up more. You don't know if Prasad Sat is done with him. You don't know what this guy is going to do um so it is it is just a walk towards nothing I think it uh the whole um uh, like yes what you what you are saying might be one interpretation like that is one possibility of what could happen to this gang, which is where I wanted to leave the film um uh, was to the whole idea that you don't really know what is going to happen to these people after this because they've had such a life altering journey that um Um, you don't know what turn they are going to make. So, right, right, and even uh, the
0: trajectory of Prachi's character was interesting because you somehow get the feeling that uh, now she knows. I mean, uh, you know, the money's coming from somewhere, and uh, she probably has a hint as to what now he's doing, but she seems to be okay with it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's classic. That's classic, Milka, right? Um yes, it's it's just uh, and it's not just middle class, it's classic capitalism. It is that is how it works. It just reels you in uh by the spoils. You don't really know at what cost these spoils are coming. So um so yeah, of course she's she is and she has been somebody who's madly in love with Amar. She's somebody who um is invested in him, she's probably fought with her parents to kind of get married to this guy. Um, her mother is constantly taunting her husband. So it is, she has, for her, it is <coughs> in a way also a victory for herself that, he, let see, this is what I was talking about. This guy is good. So it's also a victory for her uh, when he starts doing this. Well. Validation it's validation for, our, for yes. her choice. Um, which kind of, um, uh, you know, which is the validation is more important than the know-how of what, why this is happening. Also, the moral lines are very blurred um uh, the idea of mo- morality is very skewed like you're okay with him being corrupt but you're not okay with him having an affair and that is the um, you know that is the dilemma that uh, the film also uh, what where does our morality stand and what what exactly defines what is moral and what is immoral it's um so that is also something that we wanted to address through Kachi's character is the is the dichotomy of Uh, the idea of what is moral and what is not moral.
0: That's interesting. And um, now I wanted to talk to you about uh, just uh, Marathi cinema in general. And um, your second film, Bhaji, was a superhero film. So you've made two genre films now, uh, two genre Marathi films. How difficult is it to get a genre film made in Marathi, first of all?
1: (laughs) It is difficult to get a genre film made anywhere. It's, uh, it's, It's very hard in India because India is not really a... Um, it's not really well-versed with the concept of genre, um, we, we don't really do uh, those many genre films. There are very few genre filmmakers who um, like, so it's it's something that we are not uh, aware of. It's not something that we've been able to do well for many years. So a lot of us are, are kind of struggling to get the genre film right. Um, so it is always a tough journey because you have to kind of explain to financiers why this is like this and it's not a sta- straight up love story and it's not a mm, family drama or it's not a romantic comedy which is which are the genres that work in Marathi. So it's either nostalgia driven films or it is romantic comedy. These are the two genres that broadly work in Marathi or like classic family dramas but even those have not been doing well of it. So, um, so to kind of get this... Um, industry to make a genre film becomes even more difficult because it's already a small industry. It's already a small business uh, uh, to start with. So to kind of get the get a niche film there, it's even more difficult. So, so yeah, it's tough. Right? It's it's tough to get a genre film. In.
0: Right, right. I can imagine. But is it getting easier uh, with time?
1: Mm. Now, thanks to Netflix and Amazon, uh, people are a little bit more open to take that risk. But Marathi, it is difficult to, in general, get a film made because it's already the budgets are tight. And, you know, you have very few avenues. Your theatrical business is not that great. So, you know, you have to constantly think of how you're going to recover the cost. How, how? Um, so it's tough to get any film made in Marathi i don't think in marathi it's become any easier to make genre films i think vishal furia is doing horror uh, but there's just very few people who are who are trying to make genre films in marathi um, so it's it's an uphill task so i don't think it's become any easier now than before
0: right right and uh, going back to what you just mentioned the theatrical revenues uh, why why do you think uh, marathi cinema doesn't have the footfalls uh, that some of the other regional uh, industries do
1: I think the biggest reason is I think because we overlap with Bombay and we overlap with Bollywood a bit more than the other um, other states too. Like for example, Tamil and Telugu industries don't really have uh, that uh, you know uh, dependency on Hindi cinema, whereas Maharashtra has always been a big market for it for Hindi cinema, um, predominantly because the industry is set in Bombay and Bombay is in Maharashtra. So that. That really, that really kind of, uh, gets, uh, you know, uh, um, that really gets the theatrical, affects the theatrical business because we are competing straight up with Bollywood. Whereas your regional, the other regional industries don't really overlap so much with Hindi. They have their own dedicated audience over the years. Um, another big reason I think is that, um, uh, re- regional cinema is, uh, you know, in Tamil and Telugu, the in Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu, all these states, the predominant uh, source of entertainment has always been films for many many years now. Um, whereas in Maharashtra, theater has been the bigger uh, mode of entertainment. Right. So the Maharashtrian people still flock to theaters to watch a play, than they would come to watch a film. If they have to watch a film, they will watch a Hindi film. So it's it has been like that for a long time now. So, which is why comparatively it's a smaller industry. How the how the Kannada industry is smaller for exactly the same reason because Kannada theatre is very, um, you know, uh, established. So, uh, whereas in Tamil in Tamil Nadu they have always watched films. It's always been a film loving audience, like it is in the US. Uh, uh, so, so which is why I think so that that's why the com the theatrical footfall is less in Marathi for Marathi films.
0: And uh, if I were to ask you uh, what's a conversation around uh, today's Marathi cinema that we should be having uh, you know as, as a patron of Marathi cinema or as, as a, you know uh, somebody who lo- loves Marathi cinema, what would you say?
1: Uh, see, I think it's important that different kind of Marathi films are made. And in order for films to be made, the audience has to be more receptive of of Marathi cinema in general, not just, Uh, genre films in Marathi but in general they have to watch Marathi films Um, they have to flock to the theatres and they have to make sure that we get an opening because until that happens your films are not going to we are not going to be able to match with any other cinema in India in terms of budget in terms of um, you know production scale and stuff like that so uh, it is important that people watch Marathi films in a theatre it's very important that the audience starts coming to theaters to watch Marathi films because otherwise it's going to be it's it's going to be difficult. I think it's a dying industry. Otherwise, right. So we we gotta somehow
0: work the footfalls. All right. That's that's the bottom line. And now before we wrap up, uh, two more things, uh, Nikhil. I know you're a fellow SRK fan, and okay. I can't let you go without asking you the following question. Yeah. Given a chance, yes. what kind of film would you make with Sharuk? So tricky one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll tell you my answer
1: afterwards. No, but, I th- no I've, uh, I've, I've uh, I to thanks to Betal last year, uh, I, I got a chance to interact with Shah Rukh. I got to meet with him a few times. I spoke to him a few times. And I think uh, mm, uh, the challenge for anybody to make a film with Shah Rukh Khan is that he is Shah Rukh Khan. And um, how do you make a film—it's—it's the it's challenge that people are facing with Rajnikant down south because he's a phenomenon. How do you, how do you, and and he can no longer be the lover boy. I think that has been established. Um, he can—he can also not be a father to a, you know, teenager or stuff like that. So it's—he's in a bit of a strange age right now. Um, I would personally, if you ask me, I would love to do a superhero film with him. Because I think nobody does action like Shah Rukh Khan. I think Shah Rukh Khan is the um, epitome action star that we have. It's unfortunate that we've not seen him do too much action. But I think Shah Rukh is very like his face, uh, his uh, body language, the way he runs. I think he lends himself beautifully to the action genre. So I would like to do, uh, and he's amazingly well-versed with the superhero um, genre. He's He's somebody who can actually bankroll and justify the cost of a legitimately good superhero film. So if I was to do a film with Charu, I would do something in the superhero space. I know it's been done and it's uh, bombed. And I have done it and I have bombed. So I know that that is something I would like to correct. That's uh, wrong. I would like to correct for both of us.
0: Right. I totally agree with you that Shahrukh is the best action star that we have that we haven't seen in an action film yet. Um uh, you know I always believe because his his natural bent uh, has always been towards sports and uh, athletics and everything so you know he he has that going for him. And I totally agree with you. I I think his natural um um Bent or his interest has always been to be an action star. Um, there were a couple of films, but I, I think they didn't do well, right? There was One Puka Four and there was Rawan, but uh, none of which I think um, were his successes. You know, I would love to see him something uh, do something like Pune 52, actually, like a period noir noir, or an action drama. And, um, you know, I uh, I even have pitches ready for an action drama for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else on this planet, <laughs> but uh, you know, I would love to see him do that.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't see him in a film noir, unfortunately, because, like I said, he's too big, and it's it's difficult. I can see how, and it's not difficult for him as an actor. I'm pretty sure that the actor in him would jump to do a Pune Puneeth. But unfortunately, the star is bigger than the actor, and that's something that we have to.
0: Yes, find. the economics yeah, has to so, out, right? uh,
1: I think that is the biggest problem that everybody is going to have if they have to design a film for Shah Rukh Khan I'm not even saying write a film you have to design a film for Shah Rukh Khan and um, it's very tricky I would like to see him um, in, a, in a Rajkumar Hirani film I think because that would be um, hmm. because yeah. that I think will be the it will be adequately commercial at the same time Shah Rukh will do something else than what Shah Rukh generally does so um, I think if there is one filmmaker um, today, who can who can give us a different Shah Rukh Khan film while keeping all the commercials intact? I think it's Raji Rani. So I really hope that we get to see that film soon.
0: Right, right, yeah. right. And um, God, I I, I was going to ask you one more um, thing. Uh, yeah, Shahrukh was initially the choice for uh, Mumbai, right? Uh, he was supposed to do that, yeah. but uh, that didn't work out.
1: Yeah, been, I think, they've been trying. What did you think about it? Zero? Um, I'm one of the few people who like Zero. Uh, I love Zero. Um, yeah, I, I can see the problems with Zero, but I, I again, I think it's again, it is the victim of the Shahrukh Khan phenomenon. It's, uh, mm, I think, uh, I think the first of first half of Zero was amazing. Um, I, I loved the ambition in zero i loved the the uh, the power of the idea of zero but then it fell it fell in the same trap um as every other shahrukh khan film has in the last few years it is it is um i think he's pushing himself to do something different and and then somewhere around the, around the middle of it i think he kind of I, it's either him or it's the machinery that is making these films, it's I think everything kind of gets a bit scared and pulls back. So I think it's not being able to go the full haul. Um, um, so it's I can completely see why that is happening. If you observe um, uh, the, what's happening with the Rajanikan films, it's the same thing that is happening. Uh, they, right. They are right. Not able to, the stakes are just too high for yeah, uh, these. Yeah. Stocks. So they are not able to crack it. Um, and and. Um, and I can see how it is very difficult. Like if you see, I don't know if you follow Rajnikant, but... Um, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I, so there's, I think one person who could really crack it was Kartik Subaraj with Peta. And uh, mm, that, yeah, that yeah. is the, uh, after Sivaji, I think that is the most compelling Rajnikant film that has come Especially after the state totally. of bad films. Um, so I think it needs, I think he will, I think Shahrukh also like needs to do a film with one of his fanboys. Um, there's lots of them Like lots of new directors are huge Shah Rukh Khan fans whether it's Vashan Bala whether it's me um, like we are big Shah Rukh Khan fans so I think he should do a film with um, one of us because we are his fans so we know what the <laughs> fans, so we know what the fans want that,
0: that, that should be a good enough pitch
1: right? <laughs> yeah but you also need a script to go along go along with the pitch so but yeah like I think I think he should do a film with a fan uh, like I think he should do a film with somebody who can give what the fans want because that is what that person is going to want. So it's, yeah, it's it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, humor
0: me. Do you want to hear my uh, pitch to Shahrukh for an action drama? Yeah, absolutely. Man. You can, <laughs> you, can uh, you can just mail it to me. <laughs> so maybe 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 sometime at a, at a, the next red party when you're having a drink or something you can. I will just slide
1: of. it in. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Here's my pitch to Sharuk yeah. for an hardcore action drama that strikes a balance between something he hasn't done and something commercial, while Mikhil Mazhan bears witness. Mm. Here goes. A colorblind middle-aged decorated cop goes stealth on sensing the ulterior motives of an upstart political party that came to power, championing a libertarian outlook and environmental reform. Mm. That's it. That's That's quite cool. That's quite cool. I would like... You know, I tried to strike a balance, uh, you know, between something different and at the same time, you know, still in the wheelhouse. So... No, that's that's interesting idea.
1: Man. That's completely. I would like to read the script if you have one. It's uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Thanks, 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 No, it's interesting. It's <laughs> an interesting premise. I think he's, he's not played a cop. Uh, I think he played it only played a cop only a couple of times. So, it's, it's Right, right. And this is
0: not a young cop. This is a middle aged, you know, kind of towards the.
1: Yeah, better be it. Better be middle be middle aged now because it's you can't you can't do. <laughs> I think that is one. Uh, that is one thing. I think he should really not do anymore is the lover boy. It's. I think that is the one thing kind that kind of uh, did zero wrong was the fact that it was still trying to cater to the old um, romantic image of Shah Rukh Khan. I think it should have stuck more to the arrogant dwarf character and his dilemma than right. than, than catering to the um, to the romance of a Shah Rukh Khan film. I think that is something that needs to kind of go out of the equation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what happens, right? I mean, uh, like you and I and fans will agree. But the thing is that I mean, even with zero, right? I thought uh, again, uh, Himanshu Rai and Anand. i uh, uh, oh, sorry, not Himanshu Rai. What's his name? Uh, Himanshu, um, uh, Anand Rai and um, I forgot the other uh, co-writer. Uh, they did something, you know, which was in their wheelhouse of like rooted urban comedy, and at the same time experimenting with something different. Uh, right but like you said yeah it does keep on going back to the image
1: of rahul and all that and so that it kind of falls apart yeah it's that because that was a very fascinating character in zero is there's uh, a uh, you know vertically challenged man who's uh, you know very arrogant very rich very spoiled yeah uh, and it's a heck of a so performance it's a, so it's a great character but the minute he goes in the mm, emotional sappy romantic zone i think that is where it was it suffered the most because it's like, I think, uh, or if he has to do a romance, then it has to be a more mature romance with, you know, mm. with, like, right. But, right. but I think he's, I think that's another five ten years from now is when I think like that kind of film can come. But right now I think he's, he should do an action film is what I really, really hope. Like a good action film. Right. Something, right, something right. like a John Wick.
0: So, while we're on Sharuk, uh, give me uh, three picks. Um, favorite Sharuk Khan film, favorite Sharuk Khan performance. Hopefully, they're different. And most underrated Sharuk Khan performance. Uh,
1: favorite Sharuk Khan film would be Kabhiya Um Favorite, favorite Sharuk Khan performance would be Swades. And uh, most underrated Sharuk Khan performance... Uh, I think would be zero, I think would
0: be zero. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, so you, you have two of those, uh, same as me. My favorite performance uh, is uh, Check the India, yeah. uh, but uh, my favorite film is Kaviya Kabinaya and same zero. Zero, I think uh, might uh, just uh, might have a second uh, wind in years to come, so let's, let's hope see.
1: so, let's hope so.
0: And uh, Nikhil, what can you share us about your uh, new show that uh, you're doing for Red Chillies? Is there anything you can talk about it right now?
1: Yeah, it's called Betan. It's um, a zombie horror show. Um, it's produced by Shahrukh Khan, uh, Red Chillies, and uh, Blumhouse. Uh, and oh, awesome! Yeah, is that their first uh, Indian production? It's their second. The first was um, uh, Ghoul. Oh yeah that's right the netflix yeah. series right but, uh, yes. i think it's uh, the uh, it's their first netflix series uh, original uh, and um, yeah it's um, my, it has a great star cast uh, ensemble star cast and it, it has something that has not been done in india before in terms of uh, scale ambition genre everything i think it's uh, it's going to be uh, very exciting to watch it watch how people react to that show
0: Awesome. And where, when can we expect it?
1: I don't now. With this uh, lockdown situation, it's very really hard now. It's can't really can't really say when it's going to happen because everything is kind of uh, mm, there's a spanner in the world for back. everything. We, have. we don't know when what is going to come, but it's we are done with it. So hopefully, it should be soon.
0: Great, great. Well, uh, good luck with that. And uh, thanks a lot uh, for chatting with us. Uh, you know, uh, I hope this was time well spent for you. Absolutely. Well. Uh, I was really happy to uh, chat with you today. So thank you, Nikhil. Thank you. Man. Thank you so much. That was Nikhil Mazen. I look forward to his new zombie show, which drops on Netflix soon. And goes without saying, that if you haven't seen Pune 52, do seek out this fine film. I think you will love it. By the way, what did you think of my pitch for that action film with SRK? Do let me know. Also, if you have a comment or suggestion, or anything which you would like to add to the conversation held on the episode, do drop me a comment on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And drop us a review when you get a chance. You can follow me on Twitter at Love of Cinema SF8 for podcast related updates and my tweets on all things movies. That's all I got today. This is Himanshu signing off, and like always, thank you for listening to the Love of Cinema podcast.